This is The World in Brief from The Economist. Our top stories. The government of Mario Draghi, Italy's prime minister, unraveled on Wednesday as the leaders of two right-wing parties in his coalition set out a confidence vote in his government. Mr. Draghi won the vote 95-38, to 38, but it was a hollow victory given the boycotts. Silvio Berlusconi of Forza Italia and Matteo Salvani of the Northern League had demanded the exclusion of the populist five-star movement from the governing coalition, a condition Mr. Draghi refused to accept. He is expected to submit his resignation on Thursday, a move likely to precipitate early elections. President Joe Biden announced various climate-related executive actions days after his proposed climate legislation ran aground in Congress. One directive promotes offshore wind development in the Gulf of Mexico, historically a site of oil and gas drilling, and in waters along America's southeastern coast. But Mr. Biden stopped short of declaring a national climate change emergency, as some activists had hoped. Such a decree would make more federal money available for mitigation efforts. Russia's foreign minister, Sergei Lavrov, said that its objectives in Ukraine now go beyond the eastern Donbass region, a sign that Russia is expanding its war goals. Mr. Lavrov told Ria Novosti, a state broadcaster, that Russia's targets now include not only the regions of Donetsk and Luhansk in the east, but also Kherson and Zaporozhye in the south. On Tuesday, American officials warned that Russia was adopting an annexation playbook in occupied areas. The European Commission will urge member countries to cut gas usage by 15% amid fears of reduced supply from Russia. The emergency plan comes after Vladimir Putin said when Gazprom restarts supplies to Europe via the Nord Stream 1 pipeline on Thursday, it will be at a drastically reduced capacity. Officially, the pipeline is closed for maintenance. Some suspect that Russia is manipulating gas flows as a political tool in retaliation for the EU's support of Ukraine. Ukraine will ask international bondholders for a delay of two years in making its debt repayments so it can put money towards its defense against Russia. The Ukrainian government hopes to negotiate the deferral by the middle of August, before some $1.2 billion of debt payments are due in early September. Ukraine's GDP has fallen by an estimated 40% since Russia invaded in February. Rishi Sunak and Liz Truss made it through the final round of Britain's conservative leadership race. Penny Mordaunt was eliminated. The winner will replace Boris Johnson as prime minister. Ms. Mordaunt received only 105 votes from conservative MPs on Wednesday. Ms. Truss, the foreign secretary, received 113 supporters. Mr. Sunak, a former chancellor, led with 137. The final two candidates will now face a ballot of approximately 180,000 Conservative Party members, with the result expected on September 5th. Sri Lanka's parliament voted in Ranil Wickremesinghe as the new president on Wednesday. He was already serving as acting president after the resignation of Gotabaya Rajapaksa last week. Mr. Wickremesinghe is seen as an ally to his predecessor and is unpopular with the public. His house was burnt down amid the violent protests that triggered Mr. Rajapaksa's flight. And fact of the day, 0.03. 
the number of deaths associated with one terawatt hour of electricity produced from nuclear power plants. And now, here's a deeper look at the day ahead. Putin keeps Europe guessing on gas. For 10 days, European political and business leaders have held their breath, waiting to see whether Vladimir Putin would allow a gas pipeline to reopen as planned. Nord Stream 1, which carries more than one-third of Russia's exports of natural gas to Western Europe via Germany, was shut off on July 11th for scheduled maintenance work. It is due to reopen on Thursday. It seems as though it will, but far from its normal capacity. In June, Russia reduced the volume of gas coming through the pipe by 60%, and Mr. Putin has warned that it may be cut further. Russia's president blames a gas turbine that was sent to Canada for repair, but Europe's leaders suspect more nefarious motives. Further disruption would intensify Europe's soaring energy costs and add to spiraling inflation. The EU is preparing for the worst. The European Commission has drawn up a proposal for governments to cut gas consumption by 15%. A difficult winter lies ahead. The ECB's Moment of Truth The European Central Bank has said that it will, on Thursday, raise interest rates for the first time in 11 years. Dramatic inflation, prices rose at an annual rate of 8.6% in June, has forced its hand. Interest rates must rise to cool the Eurozone's economy. But do not expect a big rate increase. The war in Ukraine has sparked an energy crisis, and most confidence indicators are already pointing to a slowdown. To strike a balance between cooling inflation and courting recession, the ECB will probably stick to its pre-announced plan of raising rates by a modest 0.25 percentage points. Yet, rates are only part of the job. The bank must also hash out the details of a bond-buying program to ensure that the bond yields of highly indebted countries, particularly Italy, do not blow out, potentially triggering another Italian debt crisis. Italy itself is going through a bout of political uncertainty. This will test the political and legal limits of the ECB in designing such a scheme. Turkey's Mad Monetary Theory In Brussels, Washington, and London, the topic of conversation at central banks is not whether to raise interest rates to contain inflation, but by how much. In Ankara, things are different. When Turkey's central bank meets on Thursday, almost no one expects the rate setters to increase rates at all. Turkey's president, Rajip Tayyip Erdogan, believes that higher interest rates are the cause of high inflation, not a cure for it. Those who think otherwise, he recently said, quote, are either illiterates or traitors. He has duly sacked three central bank governors who disagree. Evidence is not on Mr. Erdogan's side. Inflation in Turkey has surged to almost 80% since the bank slashed interest rates last year, putting pressure on consumers. A recent poll found that more than one-third of Turks are unable to meet their basic needs, but there is no sign of a U-turn. Expect, then, interest rates in Turkey to remain unchanged on Thursday, because Mr. Erdogan says so. The last episode of the January 6th hearings. On Thursday, the eighth and final hearing of the Congressional January 6th Committee will take place. 
on primetime television. The committee, set up to investigate the storming in 2021 of the Capitol by supporters of Donald Trump, has been methodical. Millions of people have watched each of its hearings, tuning in to hear a familiar story lent texture by damning detail. They have heard allegations of schemes to pressure Mike Pence, the vice president, into stealing the election, to remove the attorney general, and even to force the Secret Service to bring Mr. Trump to the Capitol while the attack was underway. Thursday's hearing will dissect the former president's inaction over the course of the day. The committee's aim has plainly been to sketch out the contours of a potential federal prosecution of Mr. Trump. A separate grand jury probe in the state of Georgia is also advancing. The shadow of the 2020 election will loom over American politics for a good while longer. A marvelous return for Comic-Con. For the first time since the pandemic, over 100,000 nerds, many dressed as their favorite characters, will descend on San Diego for Comic-Con, a jamboree for fans of Cape Crusaders, animated robots, and toys of all kinds. Geek culture has lost some of its luster in the past three years, thanks to a glut of films set within the Marvel Cinematic Universe. But at SDCC, which starts on Thursday, studios will do their best to impress. Attendees can expect glimpses of a Dungeons & Dragons movie, a Game of Thrones spin-off, and Amazon's $1 billion Lord of the Rings television series. But the stars of the convention will, as usual, be superheroes. DC, which owns Batman and Superman, has teased trailers for Black Adam and a second Shazam film. And though Disney, whose ownership of Marvel makes it the market leader of comic book geekery, will likely save the biggest announcements for its own expo in September, it will still have plenty to show off. Expect a trailer for the new Black Panther film to set the internet ablaze. Daily Quiz Our baristas will serve up a new question each day this week. On Friday, your challenge is to give us all five answers and, as important, tell us the connecting theme. Email your responses and include mention of your home city and country by 1700 BST on Friday to quizespresso at economist.com. We'll pick randomly from those with the right answers and crown one winner per continent on Saturday. Thursday. Which 1950s American sitcom was voted best TV show of all time in a 2012 poll? Wednesday. Which scientist won the Nobel Peace Prize as well as a Nobel for chemistry? Finally, here's the quote of the day from Ernest Hemingway, who was born on this day in 1899. Easy writing makes hard reading. That's The World in Brief from The Economist, available three times every day of the week. You can also hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, on your podcast app. And subscribers to The Economist have access to each week's full edition in audio. Just download The Economist app to start listening. 